So glad to have you here. Do we want the Lord to walk in here today? We sing that song, you know, when you walk into the room. I want you to know our chief objective this morning is to worship God in such a way that his presence is drawn to the earth. I'm not satisfied with the general manifestation of God, right? I mean, God is in creation. We see his glory. There's something about him that fills the earth. But on the other hand, there is a very specific and focused manifestation of the glory of God. That's what we're after this morning. That's, that's what we want. We want the glory of God to fill this place because it says in the scripture, it says we'll be like him when we see him as he is. That's, that's going to happen in its fullness when, we, when the sky rolls back or when we die, we see him. When we go to heaven, something's going to happen, something's going to unfold. But we have access to a gradual, transformative source of power that when we get a glimpse of him today and another glimpse tomorrow, another glimpse, that each of those glimpses cause a transformation that willpower could never produce, that desire by itself could never produce. So we have an opportunity this morning to be changed. Father, we say, Lord, we love your presence. We say this morning we have no hope except for you. That there is no righteousness that we could attain that is equal to that which your presence, your glory, your image can convey into us. So, Lord, as we worship you, God, shine the light of your glory. Open our eyes to see what is available. Come on, let's worship him. I just want to exhort you for a second. I I keep seeing this image. Uh, We've just been up, actually, about 25 people from our church still up north helping with the Moose Light Camp this morning. But when you're up in places like that, you, you realize that the concentration of mosquitoes and, and, and different kinds of bugs, you know, they're, they're greater in some places than others. And of course, as a consequence, there's a lot more swatting going on up there. And sometimes I think, you know, it would be helpful to have a, a tail like a cow, you know, have another appendage to do that swatting for you. But, you know, there's an equivalent here in, at, in atmosphere because flies and bugs and horse flies and hornets, they're like demonic powers. And they're always trying to swirl around. And they're always trying to land on people. You know, and, and if, a, if a cow has an open wound, those flies are going for those open wounds. They're looking to lay eggs. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that they want to do to perpetuate their hold, their species, their control. Spiritually, demonic powers are trying to do the same thing. And the only, the only thing that keeps them from doing that is, uh, is us. We, we are the inhibitors of the demonic activity in the realm of the spirit in our town, in our city. And so you may not see yourself as one that's swatting at demonic powers, but we need to be. You know, and a lot of the people that we count on on a Sunday morning to do that aren't here. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we get the benefit of other people's faith because they're swatting demons off us. We didn't even know we were there. And so when they're not here, we need to rise up. We need to realize that we, need, we can create a demon-free atmosphere. We can create a harassment-free atmosphere by creating another kind of atmosphere, by pressing in and being those ones that say, not today, Satan. You're not going to be landing on my people. You're not going to be infusing us with hopelessness. You're not going to be immobilizing us with a sense of powerlessness or lethargy. No way. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Lord, we say your name is a strong tower. 
Your name is a strong tower. And I say, let the name of Jesus prevail in the name of Jesus. Not just in this room, but across this community, I say to depression, I say to hopelessness, I say to biting dogs, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, scatter. Come on, come on, people who don't have the ability to ward off powers are counting on your faith this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, suicide, not today, not today, not today, not today. Let hope spill out of this building like a river, like a fountain. Let hope run through the streets of Spruce Grove. Jesus! 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 I'm wondering if we could lean in for a few more minutes. Jesus said, if these would be quiet, the rocks would cry out. I think sometimes we've learned in the church that we don't need to make a sound because the musicians are doing it for us and our only role is to enjoy and emotionally support what they're doing. But the truth is, the advance that we make is not based on the skill of the band or the diligence or the passion of those who are on the stage, but the collective faith and hunger of those in the room. God, we want to declare today that we want to see the face. We want to see your face. God, we need to see your face. God, we need more of you today. God, we need more of you today. We will not settle for liturgy. We will not settle for ceremony. God, we must have you. Father, we want to say that we want to fulfill the deepest desire of your heart. We want to discover what it is you really want and meet that need. God, make us the avenue through which your presence can touch the earth. God, make this a place where the breath of life, the breath of Almighty God, can land. Father, we thank you, God, that we have this privilege to come into your presence and to draw near to you. just thank him just say thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you God thank you God thank you God thank you God I don't want to waste one opportunity hallelujah you know missed opportunity is is one of the things we're going to realize that we passed up on. Yesterday we were driving back from Bonneville area and I remembered that somebody had given me a free pass to go golfing. And I had totally forgotten about it and I, I, you know, what happens with me is the further things get away, the the more remote they become in my mind. And the likelihood of me remembering them unless I put them, you know, in some visible way. So I thought, man, I could have... If I didn't remember that yesterday, I might have forgotten. Free round of golf. But there's much more provided in Jesus. And so Paul prays. He said, listen, I want to pray. I'm praying for you. This is my main contention. Consider this. Paul's main desire. Don't miss what has been left for you, what has been provided for you. I pray that the spirit of revelation 
would cause you to see what's available. And he prayed that over and over. That's the, that's the key most thing. The centerpiece of the warfare that we have is that there is a spirit that tries to blind us, to silence us, to make us dull and ignorant of the things that are right in front of our eyes. And the spirit of God is trying to awaken us to those things. That's, that's the battle right there. Father, awaken us in this church, in this region, In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? All right. Had the opportunity yesterday to go out for breakfast with Cam Hunter, and we spent some time just sharing stories of our journey in the faith. And he shared something with me yesterday that just as we've been worshiping, I just felt like God just reminding me of his story. And he was sharing a story uh, with me yesterday just about an opportunity he had at work. And he was talking about a time at work that when an unsaved individual, if I say this wrong, just feel free to come up, but an unsaved individual had a migraine headache. And so they came up and they had talked to Cam about the fact that they had this migraine headache. And Cam knew in that moment, it's like, well, I have something to offer them, right? And so in that moment, he put his hands on his head and he prayed that Jesus Christ would free him of this migraine headache, and something shifted in this man, right? Something jolted in him. All of a sudden, he looked at Cam, and it was like, what just happened? His migraine headache was instantly gone. This is a good thing. Three hours later, he comes back to Cam, and he says, my migraine headache is back. And Cam looks at him and says, guess what? You have everything it takes to get rid of it yourself right now. So he told this man, put your hand on your head and say it. And I mean, this man in front of Cam put his hand on his head and asked in Jesus' name that his headache would go away. And guess what? It went away. So I'm going to ask you to do something this morning because I felt that this morning as Pastor Mark started talking about, you know, those flies, those things that come at us. Some of those things are physical ailments. Some of those things are mental ailments. I felt it this morning. I, I think there are people in here right now at this moment where there are mind things that go on and they, it just drives you nuts. It's like if I could just escape my own mind. These thoughts that come, these things that I think about, these doubts, criticisms... Right? I, I think most of us would fall in here somewhere. Right? But I also felt there's some physical healing that needs to take place today. And so, you know what? We're going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to ask you if you need physical healing, just put your hand on that part of the body. If you need mental healing, I'm going to tell you right now just to put your hands on your head. Right? I'm going to put it on mine because I know every day I get attacked. Every day something is trying to influence me. Every day I am tempted to be critical. Every day. I am tempted with fear or to doubt. And so right now, Jesus, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever it is, if it's our mind, we pray for healing right now. If it's stresses, anxieties, doubts, fears, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would come and that you would remove these things. Let them be gone in Jesus' name. If it's physical ailments, God, whether it's our legs, our chests, our hearts, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, we pray healing over the body of Christ right now. We pray pray, Jesus, that all that stuff, those affirmities that are coming against us would be gone in Jesus' name. And I'm going to tell you now, over whatever's going on, declare it yourself in your seat. Be gone in Jesus' name. Say it out loud. Be gone in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for more. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we could uh, pull on the cords of life, the cords of revelation, the cords of the word of God, the cords of, of insights and understanding in Jesus' name, Lord, that heaven would come to earth today in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that heaven would come to earth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You know, uh, when I first became a Christian, it was a mystery to me 
how services unfolded. I, I, I quickly noticed that one service was not the same as another. You know, just some services were distinctly better. And I didn't understand why that was. And of course, you know, the, the first assumption you make is it has to do with skills, right? The, the polish, the finesse of the delivery of the speaker, or the, the worship team, you know, the seamlessness of the services, the greeting team and all the rest of that. And after a while, you know, it became clear that that was not the consistent element that defined success, because I, I started going to churches where all of that was, was pristine, you know, where everything was completely in order, and yet there was not that atmospheric beauty that I associated with, you know, the highest blessing, the highest expression of the kingdom of God. But, and this has been always my pursuit. God, what, what makes for a glorious moment, a life-changing moment? What are the attributes? What are the characteristics? What, are the, what is the criteria that causes us to do something, you know, where you show up versus where you don't show up? Right? I mean, uh, that's, the, that's the pivotal thing for me. My orientation. Now, there's, there's lots of roles in the body of Christ. And not everybody, right, that's their main passion. But it is my main passion, and it is the centerpiece of the kingdom, is the presence of God. The manifestation, the absence or the presence of God is the most pivotal uh, criteria for determining our success or failure as the body of Christ. Nothing else really matters, so much so that when, when God threatened to withdraw his manifestation and send a lesser being in his place to lead Israel into the promised land, right? So here's, a, you got to get this, what God is saying to you, listen, you're still going to get the promises, you're still going to conquer your enemies, you're still going to get land, you're going to get free land, you're going to get cities, you're going to get vineyards, you're going to get towns, you're going to get... You're going to get all these things. You're going to prosper. There's going to be gold and silver and, and, you know, all of these things. You're going to inherit things. You're going to step into homes you never built, you never labored for. You're going to get this stuff. However, my presence will not go with you. Moses did not see that as a, as a, as a fair trade. He, he didn't want that. He, had, he, said, he said, no, Lord. He said, the thing that distinguishes us from everybody else is not the fact that we have success, but your presence. Your presence is the one thing that makes a distinction between us and every other religion. Your glory, your presence. And so, so I mean, I, I love things to work properly. I love us to have a good parking lot, and that's great. You know, that's going to be, you know, we might even grow as a church because we have a, <laughs> Right? Because the, the truth is not everybody recognizes what's most important. And some people will come for the children's program. And some people will come for the, the nursery and, you know, the breaks they get from, you know, life afforded by the services that a church is providing. And, you know, fair enough. But hopefully, hopefully through the course of that journey that we'll, we'll start to say, you know, what really matters is the presence of God. The absence or of the presence of God is the is the is an indictment against the church, and so I was sharing this up in uh, Moose Lake this week, and I was I was thinking about even Israel, as they as they proceeded on their journey, and when they camped, you see this picture where the tent of meeting, the tent of God's presence, is situated in the very core, at the very epicenter of their encampment. There are you know, millions of people, but uh, can you imagine that? What, a, what, a, what an initiative to pick up camp and move, right? Yeah. And how frustrating for them. Can you imagine? It's like, it's like sometimes they stayed for a couple of years and sometimes they stayed for a couple of days. <laughs> and there was no rhyme or reason to it. Like, do you think God did that on purpose? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. right? But what, a, what, an, what an enterprise, having to, to move that camp, and for, seemingly for no good reason. You know, sometimes God just says, because I said so, yeah, right. right? Parents, parents, get used to saying that to your kids. Yeah. You, you don't always have to have a reason. God never gave them a reason. Well, strategically, this is why I'm moving you at this point in time. Just do as I say. You don't need a reason. 
You know, you, there, there are people that I'll give reasons to, but they're up the food chain from where you're at. And the ones that I'm going to give understanding to, uh, you know, I decide who I'm going to give understanding to. But start by, if you want to be one of those ones that I explain myself to, start by being obedient. Without question. And uh, so anyway, they, they are situated in, a situa- in, in such a structure that they are encamped all around the tent of meeting because the core of this thing is the presence of God. Now, they all had different jobs. And the priests, the priests were charged primarily with ministering to his presence, with, with taking care of the daily uh, things that represented, you know, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, the lighting of the candles, the showbread, these kinds of things were all what they tended to. Then there was the Levites, and the Levites, you know, were, were a little bit further from the epicenter of that, but they took care of the practical things ar- around that. But you know what? Everybody coveted mostly the things that were closest to the presence, you know, and, uh, and I, I can't say, you know, what it is that God, why, why God decides one, one should do this and the other one should do that. And I, I, I'm not bothered by it one way or another. But the desire in us should be, Lord, I want to be, if I can't be at the very core, at the very center, in the very, in the very throne room, at least I want to be a gatekeeper. I mean, a, a gatekeeper is better than anything else. If I can't be in the building, at least put me on the outskirts of the building. Now, uh, that made me feel like you're, you know, a demotion or something, but it isn't. It's, it's, it's just the structure that God has. But everything that we're pursuing is all about his presence. And so I always ask the Lord this question, when I saw a man come through, like this week, this week, I'm, I'm in Moose Lake, and of course, Steve Holmstrom is there speaking a couple of nights, and uh, Bob Gal was there on, on Sunday. I don't know if you guys know Bob Gal. Bob Gal nearly died this last year from COVID. I mean, he was, his, his testimony is amazing, but more importantly, there is this intimacy and this brokenness in his life that is, he's exuding an oil of God's presence that he wasn't a year ago, two years ago. I know him very well, but it's beautiful what God has done. But I'm listening to him and I'm thinking, man, there's, there's such a, there's something he has of God that I don't have. There's something, and that I want. And, and I'm not, you know, we're allowed to covet the presence of God. Did you know that? A lot of things we shouldn't covet. Right? Don't covet your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's car. Uh, but you can covet the administration of the presence of God that people seem to carry. And so we can, we can be not necessarily jealous, but longing for it because we position us. So God, what, what did he have to do to get that? Is there something I can do to get that? I mean, I can't be him necessarily, but there's no reason why I can't have more of your presence because you said, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You promise that if I draw near to you, that you will draw near to me. And so decide today I'm not content with the level of the presence of God I have if more is available. The the common pursuit that we have to have is God, I want to have your presence because it's really the only thing that's going to change the world around us. But I'm listening to some of these guys and and I'm really loving the different administrations that they're carrying. The, the last friend that, uh, well, I, I know all these guys. So the last guy I was ministering was a guy named Brent Borthwick, uh, a fellow that we've been connecting with here the last couple of years, and I've, I've known him uh, through some other events we did. But, uh, so he's ministering, but he has a totally different style, totally different you know, sp- spirit with him. And I, I, just, my, I asked Wendy, you know, what, what do you think of him? She said, oh, I, I love him. And it's, I mean, he's way better than you. <laughs> it's, it's always easier to, to enjoy those you, ha- you don't get, have to hear every day, right? <laughs> I already heard everything you said. But, uh, but I'm listening to him, and I'm hearing his testimonies and his stories, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I want some of that to happen. Let, let that desire burn in you. 
Situate yourself, place yourself, make a demand on the kingdom of God, but make the demand on yourself to rise to the criteria, rise to the opportunity that's there, because God just doesn't give these things for no reason. He gives these things because we align with him. But there is an opportunity to align with God on a scale that we've never aligned with him before. And so let's not be lackadaisical in this. So I want to share a couple of things here, but just before I do, I, I while we were praying and and uh, this morning I saw a couple of things, but uh, and I don't know if this is for one or two people, but uh, I saw Jesus this morning as our advocate. Jesus as our advocate. I saw a courthouse and I saw a, a line of people showing up to to pay their fines. They weren't, you know, this, I didn't see a judge specifically, but they, this was a legal requirement. People were coming to pay their fines. Their penalties had been tabulated, and they were in the lineup to pay their, 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 their just due. And it was clear that nobody had what it took. No one in that lineup had the sufficient currency to pay for what they have. Let me tell you. If, if, uh, if you go to China and try to spend Ukrainian currency, they're not going to take it, right? Because they don't, they don't recognize that there. You have to have our currency. If you go to try and pay in American dollars, you know, in, uh, well, if you go to Panama, they'll take it there because they use the, the American dollar. But that's the way it works. Similarly, with the kingdom of heaven, you have to pay in the currency of heaven. There is a currency. But anyone who is arriving to pay their penalties, their fees, their, their, uh, their ticket, who doesn't have sufficient supply will not be able to pay. But I saw this. I saw Jesus just stepping up. When he identified one that was his, he just, he just stood in front of them and said, I'm paying for him. I'm paying for that one. I'm paying for that one. I'm paying for that one. And you may be watching online or you might be here in the room and you may not know anything of what I'm talking about, but you have a debt that you owe that you cannot pay. You have a debt to the righteousness of God that you cannot afford. You don't have enough money. There's not enough money in the whole world. There's not enough things you can do. You can't sacrifice your body. You can't sacrifice your time. You can, there is nothing within you that is sufficient for the cost that is, that, that is, that is before you. you. You just don't have the resources. But Jesus, Jesus is stepping up to pay. Now, this doesn't just apply to the unsaved. It doesn't just apply to those who don't know Christ. Because what happens is sometimes in our life we inadvertently step up to pay ah, with currency that he does not respect. Faith is the only currency he respects. Why Why is that? Because, Because when you try to pay a debt with currency that he does not respect, Okay, you are basically dishonoring the provision he's made. When, when you feel guilty, when you feel shame, when you feel like you have disappointed God and you're going to make it up by going and working hard or by, God forbid, going back to your bedroom and telling yourself you're a worm. And, you know, we may not take out that cat of nine tails right now and do like the old Catholics and monks did in the old days in the caves. And, you know, they were just, what's the word? Flatulate. That's the word I was thinking. There's another word that's very close to that. It has to do with gaseous substances. And I was wanted to make sure I didn't use that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, this. why would they do this? You think, why would they do this? Because they didn't understand the provision of the cross. They didn't really understand the provision of Christ. And what they were doing was actually exalting their own righteousness. They're actually exalted. When you bathe in shame as payment for your guilt... 
You are not glorifying Jesus. You are bypassing the payment he is making for you. And, and one of the things that happens so often as we're pursuing the Lord, some people can't even come into a building like this because, not because they don't believe, but because the guilt is so great. Their sense of isolation and separation from Christ is so great, they cannot overcome that. And so they're waiting out there until they can furnish some kind of enough good behavior to warrant an invitation to the presence of God. And sometimes, unfortunately, we have reinforced that system of righteousness by holding them at a distance until they become better people. And so I want to pray right now, Father, that you would release us from every residue of shame and guilt. That, Father, the, even, even the idea, the notion that I could do something in my own strength, that I can sacrifice myself, and that would be an acceptable sacrifice to you, that the notion of that would become, uh, we, would, we would see it as hostility to the thing that you did. Father, we will see it as rejection to the greatest treasure that has ever been given to mankind. Father, in Jesus' name. And so I want to say to anybody watching, anybody here, there is an advocate, there is a payment, there is supply made for all of your sin. Not just the one that was yesterday, but the one today and the one tomorrow and the one the next day and the one the day after that. You think, yeah, but, you know, doesn't God weary of, uh, of my, uh, my failures? No, he doesn't. What he wearies of, what really wearies God is us not taking advantage of the payment for our sin. See, the confidence that we have that somehow it's a better alternative to bathe ourselves in self-loathing is hostile to the mindset of God. And to think that that would be a, there's only two alternatives. Either you take advantage of the blood of Jesus or you pay your own way. And he keeps saying, listen, there's only one option for you because there's only, I only accept one form of payment. Father, thank you, Lord. Anyway, I just felt like I'd share that this morning. It has nothing to do with anything I want to say. <laughs> but uh, it's just uh, something I, I saw clearly. But one of the things that came up this week and I thought I'd talk about it for a little bit because we, we live in a world of um, paradoxes. In the kingdom of God, it's full of paradoxes. And this last week on the Monday, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a bunch of the paradoxes of the kingdom of heaven because, because there's a bunch of people here in this camp who don't know me, and I don't want to take five days for them to warm up to me. You know, I don't want to, because I, I want to say, I want to be able to say what I feel the Lord wants me to say without being analyzed. Right? Without being, well, let's see if his, his theology is okay. And that can take, that can take, never mind five days, that could take years for us to be, you know, be, feel safe enough with people. So I started throwing out some of the paradoxes because, because these are the things that, that, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm just being careful to guard my words. But we stumble over. We stumble over certain things. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this one here, the rest of God. You know, that sometimes we think, oh, I'm pursuing the rest of God. Jesus said, come unto me, you that are heavy, heavy laden and, and, uh, and weary, and I will give you rest. Right? Isn't that a great promise? God is going to give us rest. He's going to give us uh, comfort to our souls, and he's going to free us up. But do you know how you get that? The Bible says labor to enter into his rest. <laughs> I mean, if that isn't a paradox, he's, okay, I need to labor to get to the place where I don't labor anymore. Yes. <laughs> well, how do you do that? Well, yeah, there you go. How do you do that? Exactly. This is, this is a part of the mystery and the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. If, if it was that easy, God would just lay it out for it. But he wants you to find the treasure. See, God has created this filtering system. He's created this, this, uh, this, uh, these layers and layers of access 
and at the same time resistance so that we, we must do things to find the secret of what gets us through. And, you know, you can sit back and say, well, what's the secret? Faith. What's the secret? Loving God. Yes, but having faith and loving God is not as easy as to think. And it's, it, it's more than I be, saying I believe. It's more than saying the right songs. It's more than saying, Jesus, I love you. Because as we know, there are many times when we say we love him, but we love our sin also. So God is actually prepared. Father, right now, I just say in Jesus' name, I, in Jesus' name, I could, I could feel that spirit, that religious spirit that's, that's coming and trying to, you see, there, there's a warfare against setting our course to the king, setting our plotted line before him. And the enemy tries to say, no, 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 there's nothing you need to do because Jesus is taking care of it. Yes, Jesus is taking care of it, but you still have to overcome your unbelief. I mean, the fact that God has done these things is fine, but unless you're getting him to pay your way, you're not getting the benefit of that. So there's this duality. So we get caught sometimes between shame and then between, you know, well, I don't have to do anything. And anybody who says I have to do something, that's just legalism. So one of the other things I hit this week, I was talking about worship, because I, I, I discerned. <laughs> I felt like there was this there was this attitude and it's in the church everywhere and it's attitude that that we can just sit back and enjoy the presence of God and that that there's no need to reach for anything there's no need to contend for anything and and uh, that contending for something is the is the evidence that you're not in faith but here's the problem we're not overcoming God's reluctance. I know you've heard me say this before. We're not overcoming. When we're worshiping, it's not that God is unwilling to receive us. What is the problem then? The problem is we're unwilling to go. Paul said this, he said, in my flesh, that, you know, in me, that is in my flesh, no good thing dwells. There's, there's something in me that's literally hostile to God. So that means this, is that, is that when, you, when you are trying to advance into the presence of God, there's something there, and it's not God that's hindering you. So I gave this example a number of years, and you've heard it before, but, you know, the Challenger jet or whatever, is that the one that blew up, the Challenger? Okay, not that one. What's the name of some of the other ones? Apollo, yeah. When they're, when they're leaving the earth, right, and you have those rockets are going off, those, they need that strength. They need that force propelling them into the sky, not because space is unwilling to receive them. Space is plenty willing for you to come. The door is open. There's literally, from the, from the perspective of space, there's nothing in space that's keeping you from coming into it. All the power that's resisting is on the earth. It's, it's the gravitational pull that keeps you from leaving the orbit of the earth. Similarly, God is inviting us to ascend into something and nothing in heaven is literally resisting. It's the things on earth that are, that are pulling. The gravitational pull have an attachment to something and it yanks on it. And so our journey is get rid of those things. Get rid of those things. If you could just get rid of those things, it's like security at the airport. You're going through in a beep, 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 beep. Yeah, you know, take off your belt. If you could take off your belt and take those coins out of your pocket and get rid of those nail clippers, then you can pass through. Heaven is not reluctant, but heaven has created uh, a criteria for who can ascend and who, can, who cannot ascend. Thank you, Lord. But in the context of this, uh, that, those are just a couple of the, the, the paradoxes. But Brent was beginning to share about some things, and I want to read a couple of scriptures. The first one is Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. I think you guys are all well aware of this one. It says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven 
and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. Wow, that's a great passage. And so this was the message that Brennan was bringing. And it's a message that I, 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 I ascribe to, totally. Which is this, the kingdom of darkness, its power has been broken. It's power, like, like, like you don't need to do anything else to break the power and the authority of the kingdom of darkness. Its power is broken over you. All right? And that's true. That's exactly true. There's, there's nothing else that you need to do to enhance your authority as a believer. But what you need to do is to empty yourself of those things that he has authority over. All right? The, you know, what we have is we have things in us that he has authority over. He is called the father of liars. The father of lies. You know, uh, Leviathan is called the, the prince of pride. That means that, means that uh, wherever there is a tendency or a nature to lie, there is the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. And so what's the antidote for that? Well, I want to get a spirit of the love of the truth. And as I love the truth, I start to actually, actually start to hate deception. And when I hate deception and love the truth, then there, then there ceases to be any handles in my life that the enemy can get a hold of. And that's how I step into the authority and the freedom that has been provided for me by Jesus. Basically, the, God is saying, listen, anything that, is not, uh, uh, that, that does not belong to me needs to be in, divested from your lives. And when you do that, when you do that, you have freedom. Nothing that holds you back, nothing that holds you back is connected to light or life. And so we're on this journey where God is saying to us, hey, listen, I'd like you to come up a level, but as you can see, you're stuck right now. I and mean, I think there's some people that feel stuck, and I want to say this to you. You're not stuck forever. You're not stuck because God is angry. You're not stuck because God has rejected you. You're not stuck because God is disappointed with you and he's punishing you. <laughs> Right, we got to get rid of that. That whole mindset that there is a vindictive dog, God who relishes uh, our inability to ascend. That somehow it's like, it's like, well, that'll teach you. No, his heart is, listen, no, come up, come on. If you could just let go of that thing. You know, it's the old picture of the monkey who, who won't let go of the, the banana. He's stuck and the hunter comes along and just clubs him because he won't let go of the banana. It's like, I want to have the banana and freedom said, no, you can either choose one or the other. Captivity or freedom is within your purview. You got to let go of the banana. But there's an invitation. Thank you, Lord. I just feel the beauty of that invitation. The the Lord is saying, I'm actually looking for you. I, I actually have more authority more positions more roles more more gatekeepings you know openings more more things more opportunity more more uh, promises more provision more resources than can possibly be grasped by the present population of the entire world such is the span and the greatness of the kingdom of God. So God is actually looking for more. He's not rejoicing in the fact that we don't step into these things. He's wanting us to step into them. Father, I pray we'll realize that you are not against us. And this is the mindset that we have sometimes. Like, oh, you know, God is, God is restricting me because da-da-da-da. No, he'd be happy. Just let it go. Just turn. But the problem is it takes us forever to turn. And that's, that's, a, that's a me issue. That's not a him issue. So the word he uses here when he says all authority has been given to me is the word exousia. And so I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll demonstrate my knowledge of Greek by copying and pasting this. 
<laughs> this is the extent of my Greek knowledge. I can copy and paste. But so I knew that this word clearly, literally, means authority, but it actually has nuances that are more specific to that. And this is what it says. It literally means it is permissible. It is allowed. Permission, authority, right, liberty. And the thing with, with you have a right, and this is why what people don't understand, but, you know, all authority has been given to me. Now, quote, you'll quote uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. You know, authority has been given to tread upon serpents and scorpions. That means this. That means you have the right to. You have permission. You have access to everything that will enable you to do that. But there's still a big question mark. And the big question mark is, are you doing it? Not can you, not do you have a right, not is it done, it's totally done. You know, when, when you give, are given a piece of land, you own that land, but the coyotes still come on. Like, what's the matter with them? Can't they read? It says no trespassing. You know, at some point, there are forces that don't, don't respond to your intelligent plight requests. And so they have to be forced. And the question is, do you know how to force demonic powers to come into alignment. Do you know how to do that? It's, it's one thing to know, well, you can quote to them all the scripture. Well, you've already been conquered. <laughs> Evidently not, they say. You have to enforce that conquering. That's what we're here for. Through the church, the manifold wisdom is being made known to principalities and powers. It's not God that is resisting. It's not God that is against our peace. It's not God that is, that is uh, uh, unwilling to have us walk in the resources of heaven. It's all on us to just do it. And so what, for that, what we need is an atmosphere where we're free to venture, where we're free to try. You know, this week we were up in the camp and we had a situation where somebody was walking around prophesying over people uh, very poorly. And uh, we knew at least two occasions where somebody had given a prophetic word, the same person, and they, they started their prophetic word by saying, I never do this. <laughs> but, and the, the words were totally out to lunch. And, uh, and so I had to get up and give a little exhortation on how to, how to acknowledge or recognize a word from the Lord and what to do with a word that may or may not be uh, obedience worthy. And so, but, but here's the thing. My concern was this. My concern was there might be a bunch of people in the crowd who will think, well, you know, uh, how, how is it that we... We should even, even, how can you even get it wrong if you're doing it in the name of the Lord? Like, like shouldn't it be always perfect? And, and I, I didn't have time to explain it, but no, because what we're doing is we're practicing. Do you know that we're practicing? You know, the Bible doesn't say prophesy perfectly. It says prophesy according to your faith. Yeah. Prophesy according to your faith. Well, you might get that wrong in the same way you pray prayers that you're hoping have faith and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're just hopes, right? And so we're on a, a trial and discovery process. You, you hear somebody pray a prayer and you see something happen from that prayer. You think, wow, I want to do that. But then it's like when it's your turn to do it, it's one thing to stand next to them and say, yes, amen. But when you're the guy doing it, that's risky, we want to create an atmosphere where you can risk and not feel condemned if you don't actually quite cross the finish line. See, we love, the church loves polish. The church loves success. The church loves those that do it well. And so we've created a culture where everybody sits and watches the ones who do it well and applauds. And we got to say, no, I don't, I don't want you re- rejoicing over those ones that are a little bit ahead of you in the journey. I want you to follow them into the journey. Anyway, I was, uh, so I was, I was sharing about this pr- prophetic word, and I said, listen, don't hate people. Don't despise prophecy just because somebody got it wrong. And now in this case, it was quite aberrant, and if we, that person, they weren't there by that time, and had they remained around, we would have explicitly told them, you may not prophesy over people. 
But we had to share it because we thought, you know, I don't know how many people here have already gotten a prophetic word. And it was quite directive. It's like, you know, do this or God is going to kill you, kind of almost at that level. <laughs> so, you know, um, not quite in those words, but it was uh, very directive. And so, um, so, yeah, but we have this invitation. We have an invitation from the Lord. We have an invitation to come up higher. We have an invitation to step into a realm. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. This invitation exists. And there's this story that Jesus tells about the wedding feast and how the, the Father is sending out these invitations. And he said, he said, not enough people are responding to the invitation. Right now, an invitation is made, being made to the body of Christ. Step into this realm. Step into your place. Rise up. Begin, begin to, to realize what it is you have. You know, apply yourself to this stuff. But it seems like it's going over the heads of many of us. And the Lord is saying, listen, if you don't do it, I'm going to broaden the scope of this invitation. I'm going to go and send people into the highways and byways, and I'm going to invite them to participate in this thing. Because I will have a people who do exactly what I want them to do. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want some brand new, green behind the ears Christian sitting in my seat in heaven just because I was unwilling to do what the Lord wanted. So I was enjoying what these other speakers were bringing this week, and it challenged me because, you know, and I want to confess this to you because sometimes I, we think, well, you know, if you see somebody who's walking in something, you're not, they, they must be completely happy. And I am happy with what I have, but I know that there's more. I know there's more. When I say there's more, I'm not just saying it to move you guys. I'm saying it because this is, this is what drives me. I don't want to fall short of the things that have been provided for me. I don't want to fall short of my mandate. I don't want to miss the opportunities that God has given me. I'm actually leaning into God, saying, you know, Lord, I want to hear your voice very clearly. I have a number of decisions before me today, this very day, about things that I need to, need to do or not do in the next few weeks even. And, and, uh, and I need wisdom. And I, I feel like I'm not even hearing correctly. I feel like I'm not even, I don't even have that clarity of mind. So it, there's no shame in looking for more clarity. There's no shame for leaning in. There's no shame in taking time to fast and pray, realizing I don't want to be so dull in my understanding. I mean, I love this story when Bob Jones says to Mike Bickle, yeah, Mike Bickle, He's prophesying to Mike Bickle. We all know who Mike Bickle is, right? He's a global leader at IHOP, you know, International House of Prayer. I mean, millions of people have tuned in and watched and joined the prayer, been there as prayer missionaries. And Bob Jones is saying to him, well, you know, do you like to pray? Do you like Israel? Do you like all these things? He said, I see you, I see you uh, doing this and that and the other thing. And he says, do you, do you, know, do you understand anything I'm talking about? He says, no. And he says, well, I knew you were going to be dull, but I didn't know you would be this dull. I want to say this today. I'm duller. I hear less clearly than I want to. I see less clearly than I want to. I know less than I want to know. I want to have with precision an ability to administrate the kingdom of heaven on earth. I'm asking the Lord for how do, how do you cause miracles to happen? I am done waiting and thinking that, well, if God really wants to do this, he would do it. That's not how it works. If God's will was automatically being, being done, he wouldn't have told us, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Why do we have to contend for the will of God to be done if it's all, all automatic? Now, this notion of sovereignty means everything God wants immediately happens is false. No, the sovereignty of God means that ultimately the will of God will be completely done. But it's being done by a people 
who come into alignment with him. That what he prophesies about moments, eclipsing moments where the glory of God dominates the earth, and the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's a moment of convergence when the people he's called to do it suddenly wake up in a generation and become what he called the generation of Jacob. They suddenly realize, no, it's not just going to be done automatically. It's going to be done because a people believe and step into a moment. And then suddenly, that's the moment that God saw and he prophesied about. Does that make sense? So the question is, what does God want me to do today to step into that? Am I willing to take responsibility for it? Now, this morning I had a challenge, but I have a challenge. My challenge is this. I want there to be glory fire in here on Sunday mornings. But I, I understand how this works. And we're not going to get fire unless somebody makes it. And maybe, you know, we, ne- we, ne- we, never, uh, we never grew up in in uh, houses without furnaces and central heating and all of that, but it used to be that that's the way it worked. Wendy's father, her, their, her, his responsibility, him and his sister, was to go across the street and start the fire for the schoolhouse so that when the other kids show up, there would be warmth. There would actually be an atmosphere that, that was not deathly to them, right? And so we're so used to things being done for us in church but things are being done for us because somebody's doing them. When we come in and you experience the presence of God, if you weren't the one that was actively accessing it, then somebody else did it for you. Those toasts that were made this morning by moms, you know, and put butter and jam on it, that didn't, you know, that, that didn't come out of the fridge like that. Somebody actually did that. And the trajectory of growth is one day you will do that yourself. But God is calling us. We need a cross-section of people in the body of Christ across Canada to step into the fray. We have far too many people waiting on God to do something because it was prophesied where God is saying, no, I need you to believe the word and step in and step out as though you believe it to be true. I need you to realize you actually have authority to make this happen. You can't just sit back lackadaisically and hope that somebody else is going to do it. Because I believe this, that if the body of Christ will really step into this moment, we could shift Canada. We could shift Canada. Within months, we could shift Canada. And it is a, a blinding lethargy that says that, that no, this, the kingdom of God is something God is doing. No, the kingdom of God is not something God is doing. We have permission to advance the kingdom of God. And we either do it or we don't. And so this morning, and I, I referenced it, a lot of the people that, that often are at the forefront and pushing weren't here. And so that meant there was, more, there was more weight having to be carried by those that were here. But if we're not being accustomed to going across the street and lighting the schoolhouse fire, chances are it might not get done. In fact, even right now, uh, there's, there is a, a struggle in the atmosphere. And when Jesus went to, to his hometown, he couldn't do mighty miracles. Did you hear that? Jesus could not do mighty miracles. Was he the same guy? Yeah, he was the same guy. But it doesn't work that way. He couldn't do the miracles because the people didn't believe. And so his, his ministry is, if I could create faith in the people, if I can find people that are willing to receive the word of God and be changed and start to believe, then what we can do in this world will increase. But it's not doing it singularly alone. It is something that the body rises into. It's like trying to fly a kite with no wind. You can't fly a kite with no wind. And there are things, I mean, this is it, guys. The very greatest moments that we will ever experience, it might come a year from now. Your greatest breakthrough might come a year from now or a month from now or a week from now, but you could have had it today. That's the reality. Well, isn't God deciding? No, God isn't deciding. You're deciding. And I know for some that's too much guilt, too much responsibility. All right? So then just wait longer. But when we were in North Battleford a few years ago, and this old gentleman who was there when the outpouring came, 
He talked about the electric presence. He said it was, it was beyond comprehension. We heard angels singing with our ears. The, the intensity of the presence of God that started to fall down was absolutely, stunningly amazing. I was just in Ottawa with a guy who was, who was in contact with a, an, um, an AOG guy from the US, United States who's chronicling all the testimonies from the latter rain, which the Pentecostal churches rejected in 1948, but now they're pursuing them and they're studying them and they're find, trying to find out. There was a place in Alberta where people were falling under, under the power of God and so many people were falling that they started to stack on another and they began floating. Here in Alberta, floating in the air instead of falling to the ground. I'd like to see some of that and I don't want to do it because I have to wait longer. i like to be caught up to heaven I like to see, I just was watching this story of A.A. A. Allen, how he, he, he saw a miracle of a child with 26 diseases healed. Anybody see that video? Look at it. 26 diseases. And there came a point where the, had, the child had clubs for feet, no feet. It was deformed and its arms are like this. Its tongue couldn't was dangling out of their mouth. I mean, 26 different diseases. And the first one that, that, that was healed was the tongue. It just snapped in like a rubber band. But then there began to be the sound of crackling and popping as the bones were being healed. The, the blind eyes started to change and feet formed where there was clubs. Right in front of them. Right in front of them. I like to see that. I like to see that. But I'm caught in this like, I don't know how to do that. But on the other side, God says it's available. But I don't know how to do that. And God says, but it's available. I, but I don't know how to do that. And I'm afraid to try and not get it right. It's a lot easier to just do what I, what I know I can do. What if we could create a community of people who are willing to venture and not mock those who don't make it all the way to the finish line. But getting back to this man, so he's describing these things, and in his summary of this, and I've shared this before, I know, but I'll finish with this. He said, this is what we realized, that it was not them and then, but us and now. In other words, our mindset was always revival, breakthrough, glory, was something you read about in books. It's something that happened there, and with an, another group of people. It, it, it's, it's, it's them and then. It's in Africa. It's in the Philippines. It's, it's, it's in another era. It's in the Scottish Isles uh, 200 years ago. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. It's another people, another time, because that's what God wills. But he said, well, we realized it was not them and them. In other words, God wasn't determining that it was only these people and only this time, but he said it was us and now, and he which made it, meant this, said it was always available, we just didn't know it. It was always right in front of our noses, we just couldn't see it. So I'm asking the Lord for myself. No excuses. No excuses, God. What you're doing with others, you can do with me. Can you, let's say that together. What you're doing with others, you can do with me. What you've given to others, you can give to me. What you're doing with others, you can do with us. Father, we set ourselves today and we say, God, create the conditions in my life that I can start walking in the promises. Create the conditions in my life that the things that we've longed for would start to happen in us. Listen, this is not just something for the people who stand in the stage. We want to create an atmosphere of faith here because where we go, we go together. Where we're going, we're going together. And there might be some people that seem to have more authority, more power, and more of an important role in running this church. But let me tell you, where we go, we go together. Your faith determines where we go as a people. Let's just remind ourselves of what we said in the beginning. We're not going to go to shame. We're not going to go to guilt. We're not going to examine the lacks in our life and feel bad about it. We're not going to go to guilt. We're not going to go to shame. We're not going to condemn ourselves for what we don't have, but we're done waiting. We're done waiting. God, show me how to pray the prayer of faith 
so that headaches disappear from my babies. Lord, show me how to pray the prayer of faith so that I can walk in constant victory. Show me how to wake up in the morning, Lord, with, a, with victory on my lips. Show me how to make it through a Sunday morning with kids doing things they shouldn't do with a husband or a wife not responding to to what you know the, the the sense of urgency i have to get to church lord deal with what it causes me to be lethargic and i'm unable to motivate myself to be there on time to cause a breakthrough we need to decide that next sunday next wednesday whatever meeting there is we are going to be the ones who cause the breakthrough we're going to be we're going to show up with faith we're going to show up with worship we're going to show up eager and hungry i don't want to be pulled along reluctantly by another generation that just got saved last week did you hear me i don't want to be pulled along by people who have only been saved a couple of months. I don't want to be the reluctant ones. I don't want to be the ones that say, well, you know, I've got a pretty good life. I'm pretty moral. It's not enough. It's not enough. God says, I want to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Who's going to run with me? Who's going to run after me? Who's setting their, their vision on the promise? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, we declare that this is the house of miracles. But we go even further than that. We declare this is the city of many, many miracles. We declare that this is the province filled with many miracles, Father. We declare that it will be so in our nation, God, that it's time. The change is coming. We declare it in Jesus' name. Let your presence not only fill this church, but let it fill communities across this land, God. We believe it and we claim it, Jesus, and we join with you on this journey. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Well, we are believing by faith that there will be many testimonies that are going to come from this morning of healings that have already taken place. Those of you that have had physical healings or mental healings. But can we close with a scripture? It comes out of 1 Chronicles 16.11. It says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. Can that be our posture as we walk outside those doors? We will seek his face evermore. That today is just a springboard till tonight, a springboard till tomorrow, a springboard until Friday, a springboard until next Sunday. We will seek his face evermore. Amen? So be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.